Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Um, today, we are going to be giving our second peek into the casebook of Rebel Yoshev. Um, I'm not sure how many installments. I don't want people to think, oh, I missed the first and the second one, part three. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and guarantee every single one is going to be uh, self-contained, building on principles from the other. So please do not assume, since we weren't here last week or the last time we spoke with Rebel Yoshev, said Sal, that I want to come this week. I think each week is going to give you something. And plus, of course, uh, we expect our loyal people come to this year to be listening and because I'm going to be trying to be posting things not only on the link to the OneDrive but also to our podcast page which we've already gotten. I haven't checked it in a couple of days since I've been on the road. But we've had 400 and more downloads uh, in a couple of weeks uh, including 40 from Germany so I'm not sure why. Um, got 35 from France and uh I don't know. I don't know. I hope that uh, keep on listening out there and please send your comments and like us on iTunes and Stitcher and all those other things. Um, today's shear uh, is dedicated, as you can see here, by the Greenpeace chick owner, Marty Weber, Marty and Ronit. Um, I think uh, the, the community of our community here in this building, the ones who wanted kosher, and even those that are just enjoy people who enjoy that type of cuisine has been enhanced by having green chickpea as close as it is. Uh, there's a number of halal uh, people who uh, uh, have a very similar diet plan as we do, who are also enjoying green chickpea. And I've been very happy to tell them, the halal eaters, that uh, I can I can vouch as halal being a, as, yes that I can. Well, I'm not certifying it as a halal as a member of, uh, of, of as a as a practicing Muslim, but I will I do tell practicing Muslims that from what I see that they're all right. So uh, it has enhanced people of specific tastes and palates, but even in general, it's all part of the renaissance that you see going on in Newark, and they have definitely helped us a lot in terms of the sheer um, providing, and the main thing, of course, is the consistency that they've been able to able to achieve by having every week, uh, other than the weeks that there's been some other, other reason. So we thank them, and especially as Marty's um, father, Avram, um, is not well, and um, he has been very busy dealing with him. And I, I don't know the details of his illness, but I know that he has a very uh, loving and giving son and family and daughter-in-law that are trying to support him as much as possible. So Avram Ben Lina, especially as we are here, sort of you know after Tishabov, post Tishabov, I think this is a, uh, a puzzle that's appropriate. Oz Tismach Psula B'Machol. That this is going to be after all the tsaras that there's going to be, as even though it's from Sefer Yirmiyahu, uh, after the tsaras that Yirmiya speaks about, there is, there will be a geula, there will be a, a nechama. And when that occurs, the psula, and of course it doesn't just mean one girl, it means all the psulas will have wonderful simchas. By the way, Marty Mirtasha, Marty Ronitz, their daughter, your daughter should find her zivid bismana. I love the Mitzudas on that Pasuk. He says, in general, 
the way things are. Even when we try to be besimcha, yeah, that was young people, yeah, okay, with their dances, they what do they what do they call that? The uh, the twist, the the watusi, right? I can't do those dances. In that time, the sense of simcha will be so strong that bachurim usikenim yachta. That the zikenim and the bachurim will share. Of course, <laughs> we find this in many chasanas today, where the young guys who are the friends of the chasan or the kala, the young women, they are dancing with fervor and energy. And then, oh, to the side, you have these, the you have the, oh, the circles of the various husbands and wives and. Then it's going to be a sense of true, true simcha. B'churim musikeinim yachtov. Hashem, we should see that. Vafachti evlom l'sosoyin v'nichamtim usimachtim miigonom. So the Malbim and others, it's very famous, of course, biur in this soson and simcha, that there's ev, soson and simcha, and evel and yogon. Avelus, as we know, Rav Hirsch and the Malbim and others explain, Avelus is what we show Chutz, the Hanhogus of Avelus. Many of us felt this way probably during some period during the nine days or during uh, Tisha B'Av. We have to show the Simoni Avelus. Avelus is to show things uh, in a chitzenius way, um, which is parallel, of course, to Sosan. Sosan Kimsos Chosan Alkala. Sosam is the term for showing simcha externally. And that's what evil is, showing tsar externally. So the evil will actually turn into sosam. That's going to be our external, uninhibited actions. And simcha, of course, which is internal. Simcha, of course, is like Hirsch says, is from the idea of tzomach, of growth internally. Simcha is an internal sense of contentment and knowledge that you're doing the right thing as the orbs of the planets, they go out, because it says, Smechem B'Tseisam. They go out with a sense of Simcha because they know they're going to be doing the right thing. That's where you have Simcha. And Sosan B'Voam, when they finish, they feel, you know, they have that, that great smile, that great sense of contentment. So here, as the Malbim explains in that Pasuk in Yirmiya, Simachtim Mi Yigoynom. The yogon is the internal pain, the anguish. And the simcha is actually, as the Malbim says, sort of in a chesidisha way, me going on. From the yogon that you remember, you actually feel the simcha even greater. When you remember how the angst and the worry and the pain that you had internally, and you remember how that's not the case anymore, and how things are greater, it just amplifies the simcha internally. And so therefore, uh, we should see this Marty and Rani, you should see the, I know the pain and difficulty of dealing with a parent. You should see Rafuas and Yeshuas that should actually create simcha from your yogain and for all of us, really. So, okay. So today, the, uh, if you're counting, this would be the eighth installment. I tried to get Gershon last week to sort of include Rav Yashiv in his if he mentioned Obayashev or not in his Tishabov Droshi might have uh, had some influence but this is your county this is our eighth installment but as I said uh, to some of the Chaber that were here earlier um, these I'm not sure how long we're going to do Rebbe Yashiv. there's just so much to do and, and, and I'm excited about being able to to post it for what? Eight years? Well, there's tons, there's tons. well, true. As I said a couple of weeks ago, not enough. I mean, we I, I'm, detective work reveals them. Unlike Rav Moshe, wrote great works, 
Rabbi Yoshev, uh, even the, the, the idea of collecting his tshuvas was something that came very much later in his life. Tavshin Samach was when, which is what I think, Tavshin Samach, I think is 2000, is when the first edition of the Kovitz tshuvas came out. Rabbi Yashev at that time was 80 years old. So compare that to Rabbi Moshe's tshuvas. Rabbi Moshe's tshuvas came out, you know, in 1959, 1960. So that was so much, a little bit younger, and there was a lot of, a lot of material. Plus the Dibras Moshe as well, the Rabbi Yashev, the, 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 the Horus of Rabbi Yashev on, on, um, on uh, Shas were from the shiurim that he gave in Tiferes Bachurim, where he took over from his father, and that's where he gave shir till he was till almost the end. Uh, that's where Bnei Teira from all over Eretz Yisrael would come to hear his daily shiurim. Um, so you're right, and, that, and people listened. To the shiurim eventually were taped. Once they were taped, they were rewritten. But he didn't write those, the Ha'aris that you see, those black volumes, Ha'aris or Belyashev, he didn't write them. Uh, he spoke them, and then, you know, talented writers transcribed that into the Ha'aris the way we have them. So you're right. I, I actually, what Mark is saying, I, I want to amplify that. I did a search, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or two weeks ago. Uh, uh, Yeshiva, I think, uh, shout out to the Yeshiva for giving me access to Eitzra Paiskim, which I'm sorry, thank you. And I think most of the people here in this room have benefited from that because once you ask me something, I'm able to go to the Oitzer and, and, and get you copies of stuff. So in the Oitzer, I did a, sh- a search of the name of Yashiv and I came up with about 15,000 hits, 15,000 Svarim. Not 15,000 hits, 15,000 Svarim. And there's only about 90. What? Who mentioned him? Yes. Yes, his father spelled his, his grandfather spelled his name differently. So there's approximately close to fifteen thousand svarim in the library that that have Rabbi Yosef. And even in those svarim, there's multiple mentions of Rabbi Yosef. So that's quite a bit, fifteen thousand uh, mentions of Rabbi Yosef. Most of them, of course, are from Rabbanim and Chacham. I mentioned, of course, last week, Rabbi Zilberstein. But there's many, many other post Rabbanim who've written Svarim, who Rebel Yashiv, that gone to Rebel Yashiv, who, who, as he said, I give when he was asked, why doesn't he stay at the forefront of Tzedakah Moistus? Why isn't he there with his name for this Tzedakah uh, initiative? Rebel Yashiv said that he gives Tzedakahs, as we know. He was always sitting in the Bisvedrish with a pile of five Shkolim. He felt five Shkolim was was the minimum you can give to an ani lately. You can't just give an ani a couple of prutas. He would have his grandchildren, whoever it was, his, his shamash, people were involved with him to make sure he sat in Bismedrish that he would personally hand the five shkolim. And there were people who realized that then he, and he, would, he wouldn't do it like, get out of here. He was a very, he always had a, a, a chuaschein when he was able to give the tzedakas. But he was not out there like of Kreisworth and others that were... So Rabbi Yosha, when he was asked about it, said that he gives from the most important thing that he has. And the most important thing that he has is his time. He says there's nothing more wichtig than Zman. And he ge- he gave that time. And he gave it graciously. I told you a couple weeks ago how he gave it to me when I was a, a little boy. And he gave it to everyone. And those people who we've given it to have have, take, have written down what he wrote and they've put it into their svarim. Rabbi Yosha himself, Mark, did very little of this is my safer. 
Um, that's why I felt that the, the, the what he wrote in the in the in the Piske Din that was him writing, and that's part of what we're going to try to do. So that's why I said that this is the um, as I said the three psalkim from the case of Rebbe Yashiv. Two of them are from the Piske Dinim, and one I sort of ripped off from. Um, it's not the right word to use, but I, I took it from Rav Zilberstein's uh, Sefer. Okay, there's a Sefer called Kavanoki, a very nice Sefer, and I don't know how many editions it's been through, but I, I I bought it when it came out, and it's all the places. It's a collection of where Rebel Rav Zilberstein quotes Rebel Yashiv from his his Svarim, like Chashukei Chemed and Shiurim for Reifim. So that's a wonderful Sefer. It's sort of it's a very easy Sefer, and you can really get a sense of Rebel Yashiv is from there. Plus. Uh, given over Reb Silberstein's uh, very readable style. So there's two things here from the Piskei Dinim. Let's get started uh, as a schus forum. Um, so let's start with this psaac. I really like this one. Um, and hopefully everybody's going to uh, feel that it, it's something as well. Um, by the way, just uh, as everybody is starting to starting to get into this psaac, I did last week. Um, you'll hear I, I start fumbling for this picture. Really, I was very taken by. I believe this is where he's about 15 years old, right before his grandfather died. As we talked about, how he helped write uh, the Leshev. Here you can see a picture of Yashiv at 15, and it's quite. He helped write the Leshev. What? He helped write the Leshev. Yes, he helped be Masader the Leshev, right? Helping Masader. This is. Take a look, everyone. You can see who he, what he looked like, and and. Um, yeah, he kept that good. He kept a good figure his whole life. So we should. I, I'm gonna. I know Malcolm. We gotta take uh, take eights from that. He was a, he was mavurach and and how we know he ate hardly anything. But anyway, here we are. So here was the Shiloh, and it's a typical Eretz Yisrael, the beginning of the Medina Shiloh. So here's what it was: Keser Torah Shalatayveya Nishtarolea Natsim Bechutzlores. So basically, it was in Hungary. Uh, Makov was the city. And the Nazis uh, came into town, and one of the things they did originally, as we're going to see in a minute, was to find out where the gold and silver was and any of the Jewish things. And they, the Jews, before, of course, they were going to be shipped off to die, had to first willful, willingly give up <coughs> all things of value, specifically silver and gold. Incredibly, it actually, this, this was with the Nazis' defeat and the United States' victory and, and finding the troves of material that the Nazis had collected for their museums and for their enrichment. Uh, there was a process of returning these items back to the owners. Reparate, it was more than, it wasn't reparations. That's what they got from Germany. But these were actually returning these objects back to the people if they could. There was forum and other things, and because Klikoidish, you can see, uh, it was about 3,000, not a lot, but still 3,500 or so pieces of, of silver and gold that were about um, enhancing Sifrei Torah and, st- and stuff like that. So incredibly, as we're going to find here, the original owner discovered the Kesser Torah. And I, 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 I think there's some chidushim here from Rebbe Yoshev that I think it's worthwhile seeing. And again, I'm, I'm sort of speculating, but I see I'm not alone in my speculation. There's, uh, there was another article which was appended to the email, didn't have a name to it, but he also was trying to do something similar to what I'm trying to do here, 
and the assumption that he makes as well is that in these Pesachim, Rebbe Yoshev was the, was the prime mover. This was in 1954. Rebbe Yoshev, I said, as if you remember the blurb, at the peak of his powers. Many people will find that what I'm saying here sounds like a zilzal. Again, nobody loves Talmud Again, I have to say, I, you know, in my times of sorrow and, and hurt, I, my thinking of Doyle Yisrael is what keeps me aloft. I have, but I think you have to say that there's a difference between a 40-year-old person at the peak of his powers to an 80, 90-year-old who's writing and, and pushing it out still with incredible incredible energy. So what I, I, I like to assume that this is Rebel Yoshev in his, in, 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 at the zenith. I know it sounds, how could you say anybody like can, can get less and become not as strong? Okay, even what he was at 80 and 90 was still way beyond us. But can you imagine, take that back to, to the time when he was 40. So this is Rabbi Yashiv in his mid, in his early forties. So let's here's the story, and it was written up. I guess I'm assuming that he was either spoke Hungarian or Yiddish, but here is the Okay, uh, I'm not going to do a Hungarian accent, but I'll I'll try to give you the sense of what was going on. He says, "I'm from Hungary, from Makov, and I had a Kesser Torah proti sheisi shochen." I didn't live that close, but the neighbor lived there, and that's where my Kesser was. So there's two things you have to understand here. Number one, it was his Sefer Torah, his family's Sefer Torah. Like many people who donate Sefer Torah, they make sure that the Shul uses it, but the Shul doesn't absorb it and take it as one of their own. Uh, so if they move, they can take it with them? Unfortunately, my, my great-uncle, I'm named after uh, Avremel Lev, Kibelevich, who was my great-uncle, came to America, brought my grandfather's safer, my great-grandfather's safer Torah to Memphis, and it was absorbed by the, the Shul, and there's no way we're getting it back. I might have been buried already, but I believe me, I always think when I'm thinking, oh, I wish I had that safer Torah. This fellow made sure that the Shul knew it was his safer Torah. He also had a Kesser Torah. And the Kesser Torah, of course, wasn't used during the weekday, but on Shabbos, they would bring it from the neighbor's house to the Shul. Um, how did the Kesser um, disappear? I mentioned it before, the Nazis. He says, Hanazis Hungarian. So I would assume that this was the, the Hungarian authorities who were um, Collaborate. collaborators. You don't think so, Yankee? He says, Hanazim Hungarian. Okay, so I don't think these were the original German soldiers. These were the collaborators who were working on their behalf. They took the tzitz of the Sefer Torah. They took everything else. And the Nazis drafted from, from other <coughs> I understand. Everybody was working for the Nazis, though, right? So now, the Chala, and now it turns out it was taken sometime in 1944, I would assume. This was not many years later. This was 10 years later. He says, I happen to go to the city of called Hartzion, and I see, wow, in the shul there, that's the Kesser from my Sefer Torah. So I went to the shul's office, and I said, can I see it? And I, and, and, and I said, this is what it is. And there I saw my father and mother's name written on the Kesser. Now, the Shamish of our old shul in Makiv lives in Yerushalayim, and he knows the whole story. It's not just me talking. 
And I'm going to bring him to Bezna to get back my Kesser. Um, and I, I want it back. I want to take off a Miyad. Because, and this I thought was a Chiddush, he says, the Sefer Teir, I have. And where is it? It's in my new base Knesset. What a beautiful story. From Makov that was destroyed. And again, I wish I, I did my research here to find out where these were on the Israeli map. People from Eretz Yisrael have yet to download this podcast of France and Germany, Italy. We're getting close. But in Nave Shanan, does anyone know who that is? Oh, it's in Haifa. Here it is. Nave Shanan in an area of Haifa. That's where I live now, uh, this Hungarian refugee said. And I want, and I love this Lashon, Lahachser Atara Liyoshna. Yeah, literally. Right. I want to get the Atara, I want to get the crowd back to where it should be. Okay, sounds like a slam dunk case, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine a show putting up a fight on this? What? Did he ask for it? Yes. He went to the show, he said, it's mine. They, they have to go to Besdin. So you have to go to Besdin. So, ah, very good. So the question is whether there was Yish already. Yish there was that. more than Zutu it was Zuta Shoyam. That's exactly what the that's exactly what the guy tied it. Right. That's exactly what the Shul tied it. He says. He says. Of course, that was his. But when the Nazis come in, you don't even know if you're going to live. For sure, you're chafotz, and you think that you're going to get them back. He says, anything that was taken during the Holocaust from a Jew, so therefore, you lost Bailus. And and it came to us. How did it come to us is a question. It's how not did, nice. Uh, right? Yeah. But he says, he says, it's now being used here in Hartzion. We have this host to use it. Now, I love this is sort of like a lawyer playing his bets. I mean, look at, look at this. He says, if alternatively, if the Bezdin should decide that the Kesertaira is, belongs to the Yid from Makov, then, okay, what can we do? But we want 50 liras. Maybe they paid money together. They said, we want 50 liras, which is the expenses we've made to bring, somehow we had to pay to bring these things, to ship it to us, and to keep it here in the shul. And therefore, I figured it's about 50, is about, we paid a lot, he says, you know, to get all this stuff. I'm going to assume that in, that, we, that you should at least pay us back because we were your shimer, so to speak. The expenses to get it. So, that was, we, What? That sounds like, it sounds like they should have walked away right there, right? It sounds like they should have walked away right there. In those days, somebody can do a Google search how much 50 was in 1954. But I would assume it might have been 50 bucks. Again, I don't know how much the lira was. And how much was 50 bucks in 1954? I don't know. Okay, but 1954, right? When you were in a different Gilgal, Yankee, right? It probably, it probably got you, uh, uh, I don't know. But, uh, a decent dinner in Delmonico's. But anyway, so, um, so here came then the Aedus of the, of the Gabbai. He says, 22 years I was the Shamish and Makiv, and I knew that he thought, I remember this man's father made the Kesser with the Sefer Teiro, and they used to take it out, and, and, and it was, he could always take it from the Shul, we always knew that. And there was someone who lived close to the shul, and that's where he agreed to keep all the beautiful things to to adorn the Sefer Torah. His father died before the Holocaust, and he and it was the Kester was his because he's the Ben Yochid. Um And this uh, this part I thought was very moving. He says, "As a Kesser, loko anatzim ungarim, vaniba atzmi samti as a Kesser besak." I was the one who had to do it because they knew that I was the Gabai. 
and I was the one, according to them, that had to put it in the sack to them. And I went to the man who was holding it in his house, and it was a weekday, he remembers, and he brought him it. Um, but it seems like the Sefer Torah, I don't know why the Nazis, usually what the Nazis wanted to was to burn the Sefer Torah. The Nazis, I think, again, I didn't do my research on this as well as I should have. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a lot of discussion about the Sefer Torah from the Nazis, and the question was, was they had, um, a lot of them, they just, they didn't keep, they, those they didn't think were valuable for some reason. They used to either burn them or stab them or... But the Kessler is silver, huh? Right, the Kessler they wanted. So the Sefer Torah itself... I'm hungry. This is very late in the war. They 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 what? Yeah. They they right. Kopan and the Sefer Torah somehow survived. I brought the Sefer Torah to this Jew, and uh, and I was the Shamish, the last Shamish in Makov. And I, I in, in, in Bezdin, they showed him the Kesser, and he said, that's it, 100%. All right. So the first thing Bezdin did, Rabbi Yashiv and company did, this is Rabbi Yashiv and Rav Zolti. Rav Zolti was quite young at this time. You can look up Rav Zolti's age in 1954, but I think he was a, I think he was, might have been, been even younger than Rabbi Yashiv. Somebody can look it up now if they want. But Rav Adas, so there's a picture of him, I think, in one of the books that I brought today, but I, I really think this is Rabbi Yashiv's show. But anyway. So uh, first they went to the, the to the agencies, the Malban. That was the agency that the that the that the government uh, erected to help people from Europe and refugees and people that were not well reestablish themselves in Eretz Yisrael. So they wanted to find out. First of all, who was the one who brought right? Who was the one who brought these things? Like, well, what was the? How did they all come here? They wanted to get the details. We're involved in Absakta now in the best, and, and I'm telling the. Um, we sat there for five hours, and afterwards we talked. You know, there's a lot of information we don't know. Dayanim need to get practical information. How did it get from point A to point B, and who was involved there? Also. Uh, the Shul and Hartzion. Who actually gave it to them? They have it, but who was it who, what was the agency? The thir- right, how did they get it? The third thing is, it's possible that the agency itself operates with bylaws uh, and rules that what happens to items that, you know, even they talk about Zutu Shoyam, but there might be laws of that we have constructed about how this stuff gets back to their owners. So they in found... Words, in other words, instead of just brokering it to New Shul, they should have made an effort to... And maybe there was it. rules that how they did it, based on halacha, but it doesn't really make a difference. They can create their... Since they were the... As you're going to see in a minute, my mother, Ola Shalom, used to speak about this a lot. Basically, there was the JCR, which was known as the Joint... Uh, joint uh, collective relief. So this was my parents always talked about the joint. The joint. My father never said that word, but my mother used to tell him to talk about Smoking it all the time. <laughs> That's Yankee's pop reference, not mine. I did not say that. But my mother used to talk you about. You were thinking it though. You I actually talking. wasn't. I actually was not. <laughs> I was thinking about my mother. Oh, how she used to talk about how the joint would help out, and that was what was everyone knew them. They had this was you know everyone came together. They put. Up, Joint collect, they put all these different vadat solas and everything together, and they said, "Okay, let's put our kolchos together." So the joint uh, took the apitropas for all these objects, and it says, "I found this was interesting that if svarim, which of course had stamps in them and things like that, they would keep it for two years, 
In other words, they figured it would take two years for a Holocaust survivor, someone, to appeal to the joint to get his farm back. He should say what his name is. And and they would go through the books, and he would be able to come and take all the farm that he had, despite the fact that it was Zuto Shoyam and other things like that. Um, right. Well, they part of it, I think, was we're going to see in a minute. Vasisa Yoshavatay. Part of it was to do the right thing. Shia, yeah, the guy thought he was going to die, but he, he survived miraculously. The Holocaust. He's there. The joints rules were within two years you could get back to Svarim. Um, now Svarim were different than um, other holy objects or objects of, of value. Why? I don't know why. But they said there was 3,200 uh, Tashmishe Kedusha from 49 to 52. Um, and maybe those were, maybe I'm wrong, Yankee, maybe it's also two years. After two years, that means in 1949 approximately, uh, once they started getting this stuff, um, they would now allow it from 49, and I don't know how you put in a bid, but they would give them out to various places that need them, and that's where the Svarim and the Tashmishi Kedusha went. And that's how this Shul and Hartzion ended up getting it. Now, everybody here said, Baruch Hashem, it's a, it's a good aid to, your, to, to the quality of Talmidim we have here, and people who know how to learn and remember their Gemaras and learning with their kids, <coughs> which is that L'chorah, it's a matzah mizut ha-shayam So therefore, L'chorah, anybody who was, who was uh, facing the the Holocaust facing stormtroopers facing Nazi collaborators, obviously you're not getting that. You didn't think you're getting that back. So However, Shulchan Aruch is a little more complicated than that. So we start off here, and, and, and you're going to see Rabbi Yashiv's, um I believe his. Ah, so still. It's not an Aveda, but it's it's like a stormtrooper is like a hurricane, right? A, a bunch of bullshim that are coming, right? These people are coming and getting everything. These are people that will kill you if you try to stop them. What? Okay, so this is what we're going to see. Hang on, Mark. Yish wasn't relevant, though, if the agency acquired it for him. Yeah. Trying to the yeah, so that's the question whether, yeah, that's a good point, no, David. According also, Hamatsu Meha Ariza Hadzoa. Oh, very good. That's, that's not, that's not, uh, that's right. That's right. So here we go. So we, so, uh, uh, let's take a look. So uh-huh. Rabbi Yoshev and his crew start off this way. Um, the, the Ramo Paskins, Akainim and Aganif, Litzorach, Lachzar, Gneva, Dekona, Biyish, Vishini, Rishus. Right? This is from Aganif. Right? The guy, you didn't think you were getting it back. Everybody understands. Gneva is the act of stealing the Shini Rishus. Miu Gneva. The Ramos says the Minig is to return it. And the Ramos says the Minig by the Ashkenazi communities is to return things even though you got them from Aganif and you know Klor the Baal was Mayaish. The Englishanis, that's made it Aganif and Gasm. Uh, the Ramos says that in Shinun Vav earlier also, our minig is the Mavsar called Geneva, even after Yish. <coughs> here he, ha- he adds something, Dina de Malchusa. So it sounds like the areas, especially as you know, when the, when the Ramos lived in Poland and other areas, the government was not the type of Cossack killing government that we, we've heard about. This was, uh, you know, these, these were 
the Jews actually lived very well, and they, the authorities had their own rules. And their rules were that an object that was stolen, and you can get it back, despite what your feelings were and any pronouncements you made, that if we're able to, to get the ganef, no matter, even if you screamed out and said, I'm never getting it back, the dina de Malchusa means you have to give it back. And that was the, by the goyim, the, the law. So the, the Jewish communities felt, well, if the goyim are doing it, of course we're going we're gonna to macabre that as well. So there's dina de Malchusa of the government. There's also the minhagim of the communities. Uh, the shach has a point there on the Ramah. He says, dina de Malchusa, you don't say dina de Malchusa keneged halacha, but he says it's not. There's a there was something in the middle. Klal Yisrael isn't just doing it because didn't the Malchus, so we have to follow the government. They wanted to do it themselves. You're going to tell me it's not a good minig. He says this is the point. Rabbi Yasha makes a point about high minig shun shiniskan kach. So again, you have to think here what's going on. There's didn't the Malchusa, minag and takana. These are three different principles. Didn't the Malchus is I don't care Jews what you're doing. You live in our in our country, you have to follow our laws. Okay, that's at least the perspective of the government. Then there's the minhagim, the, the, the Jews and communities among themselves. Then there's something on a higher level, which is called a takana. Takana means, like, and other things like that, takana is the communities make. So there's a takana here. So therefore, if there's a takana, if there would just be a, a minag, which is Garua, uh, the Shach implies you don't necessarily have to follow that. But if the, if the communities decided the, the, what the Goyim in Poland and those areas was so solid that they made a Takana in their community, once it becomes a Takana, it has the power of a Cherem in the community, and therefore you, you're Mechuyiv to do it. So even though it goes against Halacha, that you can keep the Chefetz, and the guy's holding on to it and saying, hey, it's mine, I know you're Miyayish. But if a takana of a communities, and, the, and we're saying here it's a takana of European communities, is to give it back, your claiming halacha doesn't have any value connected the takana. Uh, what if the Shachayat didn't come on to this? That's the same thing. Takana, the, the, problem, the problem is like this. It gets into another shear. Is do we have but they dinim that can make these things? We have communities, shivatayveir. It isn't that different in terms of the power of what the shivatayveir do and what but they dinim. But we don't have a bezdin kloli anymore. At least in Europe, they didn't. They can say this is our halacha. But if communities take on as a takana, it has the power of a cherem, and it's even stronger than a bezdin. And therefore, that's what the shach says, the takana can override it. But would that apply to someone living in Haifa? It was within the community of Hungary. Good. He's in Haifa. That's a good question, yeah. David. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the question is, do these things right. that were happening in Europe, that's in Shulchan Aruch, does going to Eretz Yisrael rewrite the, the din? And there are Israelis, and we talked about it last year when we had the sheer... One of our, I haven't put it up on the internet yet, but on the podcast page yet. But we had to share about when Menhagim collide. And we talked about the fact that there was modern rabbis in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbonim, and I would say, I, wouldn't, I, I don't have mind calling them Tamidah Chachamim as well in their own way, who are saying Eretz Yisrael, we should wipe the slate clean. And we shouldn't necessarily hold by the Menhagim, the communities, and maybe even things like this, where Takonas, they were part of Shulchan Aruch. 
the Rabbi Yoshev and the Rabbonim, who were part of the Rabbanut, weren't ready to do that. And as much as Eretz Yisrael is a, is, is a brand new situation, Ashkenazim and Sfarim, everybody's mixing up together, at least in the first couple of years, we have to hold on to the Shulchan Aruch. I'm actually saying even before that, let's say the war didn't happen and was stolen in Hungary. You know, then you would then, then you have, that mean you'd be mechul. You have to follow the takana. No matter where the person lived in the world, or was were they only? Yeah, if it happens in Hungary, because the going to do it here in Hungary, we'll do it here in Hungary. Yeah, but, now, but once it became a takana, David, then it becomes uh, wherever the Ramon and the Shach is followed. That's where because that's what they're recording. It's, it's similar to Chaimer Venu Gershom. You know, Jews went to Australia and they weren't in Australia at the time. The Chaimer Venu Gershom. So, would you be able to marry? You know, you know, in Utah they'd be happy, but in they're in Australia, right? Would you would be able to be married? Uh, you couldn't do so that. There's a blanket to come in. Uh, that's uh, the way taconas work. Taconas are a work. Again, it, it's dicey. How much is connected to the actual geographic place? How much is connected to the people and their children? It's an interesting question, David. I think something to be explored in a different year. But I think it is an interesting question. Uh, to be safe, we follow them. We move to Australia, we act like we did in Hungary. Uh, whatever it was, whatever city it was. But it's a good point. So now, Rabbi Yashiv argues here, based on the Ketzeis, I looked up, by the way, uh, Rav Scheinberg on this Ketzeis. There wasn't much on it. But Rabbi Yashiv makes a big deal about this Ketzeis. So he says, the Ketzeis asks, uh, he says on the Shach, it's not a minigarua. It's not like some new thing they decided, like in Poland, because they had a lot of nice uh, uh, nice uh, leaders and everybody wanted to make a takara. He says, that's not true. So he said. So he said is that we take a look by Aveda. It's in the Rishonim, in the early German and French Rishonim, uh, in, in the 13th and 14th century. It says, Klar, this is what Mark might, might have been hinting at, that Aveda Lachar Yish, it's Paskin and Shulchan Aruch, and Shin Samaches by Geneva. It's talking about an Aveda, that if you if you find an Aveda after Yish, you should do it with Nimishur Asadin. And therefore, he says that it's based on the din of, it's not a minag against halacha. There's Rishonim on record that if a guy loses something, and you know he was meyayish, that you return it anyway. And it's in the Mordechai, in the Rav Yoh, that's going all the way back to the door after Rashi. The Ravon was mamish, the door of Rashi itself, that Bezdin can tell someone to go with Nimishur Sadin. But here's the Mordechai's caveat. In other words, if you see someone who's got plenty of stuff in his house, you have the right to force him to go with Nimishur. This is why this is the funny thing about this. I've been in Dine Teira where we actually forced, we, because they came to us for Pshara, we said, you know, even though you, we, it's only a grama, but we're going to be machayv you to, to be knowing with Nimishur as Hadim. You do have the right, a Bezdin has a right to force someone to do something which the Din, even Al Pidin, he doesn't have to. If why? Because it's the right thing to do? Because you think about it, this is the <laughs> this is the paradox. Asisa Yoshavataiv, so make it Allah already, right? Right. Asisa right. is be good. Kedoshim to you, the fame the Ramban, the beginning of Kedoshim. So is that a mitzvah? What am I go do more than you have to do. But that means I have to do it, right? Well, if there's the bare minimum to be holding as a, as a person, right. right? Right. So, Vasisa applies, and we say, of course you should do Vasisa Yashavataiv, because this is about money, and you've got plenty of it. So, therefore, since you're a Baal Nechosim, Vasisa Yashavataiv, 
is a, is a, is a directed to you, and Bezin has a right to enforce that on you. So, um, you can say even more. And, and therefore, just, just one second, Mark, therefore Bezin decided when it comes to Avedis, they want to have a blanket kfiyah. Anybody who's able to return Avedis, who doesn't need the object, he's not an Oni, so that's going to be the Takana. So therefore, it's not a minute, first of all, he says it's not some new thing about Geneva. Geneva, returning a Geneva is the same exact Takana as returning an Aveda after years. The two are exactly the same. And here we already have Rishonim, the Ktsoy says, that it's about Asosiv However, it's a Takana, but it would only be with Misha Yechayvus Biyodai. So therefore, an Oni, so therefore an Oni wouldn't, in other words, I'm sorry, let me put it again. Let me read it one more time. You need to, if you're an Oni, you don't have to, you can keep it. And, because, and the other thing is, and by an Oni, an Oni doesn't have to be a Tzaddik. The second thing is, is that you need to do it for someone who's in need. In other words, the second thing is is that you're taking this stuff away from somebody. So now the question is, as Yashiv sees, these are all one halach according to the Ktsois. So let me just theorize what Yashiv's point is. Is therefore, um, based on this, if it's based on a Sisavayoshavatoiv, is this considered a Sisavayoshavatoiv? First of all, the Kesser Torah itself. What is it? The Kesser Torah, the guy he didn't wear it in his house. This wasn't what he walked to, to, to right, right? It wasn't, he, he wasn't eating, right, right? He wasn't eating margarine. Like, what was going on? That's a very old reference. But what was going on? Yeah. <laughs> what was going on, right? What was going on? He, it was put in the Makam Tzibor. So the Tzibor, so it's not really ain by schus laguf prati. So, first of all, who do you have the Sisi Yashra Tov on? Who? A Sisi Yashra Tov is you do the Yashras. Not the community. Caesar Shatov is telling people of means, be a good person. You see a person in need, even though you can keep it, do the right thing. Chazal, the Rishonim, the early Rishonim say, let's do this by every Aveda. So that could be, the Revel Yoshev says, maybe that's only a din on a yachid, on an ind- a rich individual. A tzibor, who's using it? It's, 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 it's the shul in Hartzia. This is somebody's mitzvah of Zekeli van Beil. It's on him. It's on a yachid also. It's a yachid Zekeli van Beil. But it's now part of it's the shul. The shul it's spent it's the his, money. It's his Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah is now up here. I'm at the Kesser. So, I'm in the Kesser, but who owned who owned the Kesser? He owned Kesser too. Right, but a cease of Yashar so Torah would say, give this. This was his Zekeli van Beil on his Sefer Torah. Okay. So I, I, I can make a case that it's a yachid also. Not a Robin. Wait, wait. Maybe I didn't explain it well, and I, I know it was a little bit uh, confusing. Rabbi Yoshev's first point is is that the shul doesn't have a chiyuv of asisa v'yoshevatayiv. Asisa v'yoshevatayiv is a loshin yochid. Every individual, knowing what he can afford, should be uh-huh. mavat. That's not applicable to a Robin. The second thing is is that is he an ani? In other words, he says because we know tzedek mishaloch v'tein loy. In other words, know that you're right, the Rishonim say, but give to the guy anyway. So, <laughs> he doesn't want to use it for himself. So, based on the Ktsois, they didn't tie to that in Bezdin. They just tied to Zutar Shalyam. 
the Dayanim many times outthink the the Toiv, the 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 the, the, the Nitva. The Nitva said, "See, it's a Zuta Shoya." But on that, of course, the Shulchan Aruch was clear that there were there were Takanas to give stuff back from Ganevas and Zelas. So therefore, Goyoshev says, "Yes." But to if you hold like the Tzais, that it's based on the Sisi Yashavatai, because the Tzais is bothered by how did he ever make a Takona Kenegad the Din? So, on that, based on the Sisi Yashavatai, which is seemingly more in, in, ensconced in the early Rishonim as a, as, a, as a real idea, he, the Tzais, spreads the, um, spreads the idea to Genev and Gezeva, and says it's all one halacha, and it's not really a takana of, of, of following the dina de malchusa. It's about being good people. And being good people depends on you and the person you're being good to. Right, but by saying it doesn't apply to a tzibu, it circumvents the entire takana. Because you just made it's a tzibu. That's right. That's so what he's cir- saying. So you're going to circumvent the entire takana. That's right. According to the middle, according to the tzibu, the shach is wrong. That, the, that there was never a takana on the tzibur, and it wasn't a takana on the shul. So there was the sisav yashavat taif. That was the. Does it matter if it's a rich shul or a poor shul? There's one sacred tower and the other has twenty. I, I, I'm very bothered with the with the thing of well, if he's a rich guy, then he should be a good guy and do it. Well, you know, the poor guy. Yeah, but again, think about the, the gemara. The gemara. The rich and poor. Equivalent the din, the din, I that's why this is not din. That's why it's something where, look, you don't really need it. This guy is poor. Even though you're right, you have the rights to it. Give it to him. Anyway, let's take a look and see what what Rebel Yo- I, I understand it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't sit well. It doesn't sit well. But that's like I said. What was the if, if you look online? I, I called last week's shear two weeks ago. Just pure psak. Rebel don't care. <laughs> you don't care about sentiment. It's it's in terms of psak lachar. But let's, I want to show what Rebel Yosef does right. I have about six minutes. I want to do it over here. So it's like this. He says first of all, he says the shach ktsois notwithstanding everyone loves the ktsois but we should pass them like the shach that it was a takana miyucheres and therefore it's not a vasisa v'yoshavatayv umemeila it's chalalakol asher ve'evyon and that's why he says if you take a look in simen reish nuntes when it comes to aveda they talk about being rich they talk about being poor he says in the other simonim in Shulchan Aruch and Shin Samach Vav over there and Shin uh, Shin Nun Ches and Shin Samach Vav over there it talk, never talks about a rich person versus a poor person. They're in two different places in Shulchan Aruch, two different areas, and even though it's similar, it's not the same. So he's Chaylik with the Tzayis right there, and therefore it is a Takana. So if it's a Takana, you're Mechuyiv to do it now. Um, and he says to take a look at the Bir Hagra. Um, now, so now, um, right, it doesn't make a difference who is holding on to it. Uh, it's an Oshir, or Balachay If it's a Takana, the Shach is right. However, he says, even the Shach is talking about Aveda. Aveda is a din of is a Takana. But Lachora of Oyashiv says there's something which they, the Toivea, the, the Nitva didn't mention. There's a new din called what? There's a new din called Kibish Muhammad. Kibish Muhammad is different than a Geneva and Exela. Right? Um, we did it. 
Right? We were able to take uh, uh, Eretz Sichon and Og, we were Kavish it, and, and it doesn't come with Kenyone Geneva. There's a Metzius of a war. That's booty. This was yeah. booty. This it was not booty. booty. It was booty. Right. When the Nazis got it. Right. So if it's Kibush, right, this is going to mention this. You're going to, this is where he's going with it. Okay. okay. But it's an interest. He puts Kibush Mochama on the table. Kibush Mochama is the way territories become part of another country. Kibush Mochama is almost like an auto. You, 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 you can make a Kenyan on human beings. Kibush Mochama is like the sense war is what defines human interaction. And it's bigger than, oh, did I make a Kenyan? Did you pick it up? Did you steal it? Now it's yours. Is there a year? Kibush Mochama changes the parameters. It changes, that it changes what's really happening in reality. So therefore, Kibbish Mochama, as the Gemara says, we did it, we turned stuff into Eretz Yisrael. So Kibbish Mochama, the Nazim, isn't part of Kibbish Mochama? So he says that, no, it's not Kibbish Mochama. Why? He says, he says, the Nazim, um, it was basically about just destroying the Jews, getting what they wanted. Um, like, right? This was piracy. This was not as war we're taking that. This wasn't, you know, uh, McLennan going into the South and saying, take that, you know, take that uh, plantation over. That, that's that, that's Kibbish Mochama. This is not Kibbish Mochama. He says, it's a Maishashoid Gezel Vachomos. Um, and also, he says, what happens afterwards, he says, when the Americans came in, um, the Americans who beat the Germans, and now they, right, who, who, who took, even you want to say that it's all part of Kibbish Mohamma. We need it for the war effort, right? We need to melt it down, whatever, to, 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 to fund our troops and to pay the secretaries back home. Whatever it is, he says, when the Americans came and took it, that's, Kibbish. that's not Kibbish Mohamma. That they. They won, but they weren't trying to get it. When the Americans came and discovered the troves of, of stuff that the Nazis had taken from all the Jews, really? this this was, oh, now we're going to bring this back to America and, you know, we're going to pay all those people. And, you know, and that's not what it was, right? They, they, they in, in the magnanimous way, look at Rebel Yashev's. Again, I, I'm just in the spoiler from Rebel Yashev's understanding here of, I know halacha, and I can tell you Shulchan Aruch like that, but I also know the reality, the political reality of what was going on. It's not Kibbish Mohamma, it's Gzeil, it's, 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 it's the underbelly of these stormtroopers and these collaborators, nothing to do with advancing the war effort. And secondly, what the Americans were doing was also not a part of Kibbish Mohamma. It was about to try to get the stuff back. So, I'm not arguing that the Americans were zaychik for the original owners that were to try to get them back. Oh, that's what he says. Roy wrote a kibne kual v'skais b'shalalim aswas ashalalim and aslam loisim atzigayudim. So, therefore, he says, and um, yeah. So, when he mentions here about dinah mechusadina, skip this part. But he says here in came but didn't he done. The tachness of the, what did these, again, let's go back to the original Hungarian collaborators and the Nazi uh, overlords. Basically, their purpose here, there was no din involved. They wanted to try to just do whatever they can to, to eliminate the Jewish people as much as possible and to take everything they had. That's not din in the Mahusa. And therefore, the Shach is right. 
Um, they're gazlonim, they're thugs, and at Takona the Shach is right, you have to give it back. Um, the next thing he says here is that um, the uh, the joint wrote a letter that they they were the agency that got it from the Americans. Uh, their whole purpose, it was in their uh, their guides, whether it was written or not, their charter was to give it back together to their owners, right? They they took it, Almanaz, to give it to Labalea. Now, it's true, they kept the Sefer Torah, the Sefer Torah for two years because they felt the guy is going to come. So even though they gave it to someone else who didn't come, so clearly that doesn't mean that the guy can't get it back after that. That's because they didn't want to hold on to Sifrei Torah. They were out of use. So, anyway, so. Um, and, of course, he says the 50 shkolem don't mean much at all. He says he says that we find that as uh, way too much. Um, first of all, they used it the whole time. They want to, they want money from for, for, for taking care of it. They used it. And therefore, since they used it, that for sure should take whatever whatever amount they paid for it, or they it was part of the main amount. They also got the use for the last couple of years, since 1949 to 1954. They've had five they've had five years of use of it. The Kessler, right? That's what I mean. That's what I mean. So I mean, how much will it cost to rent a Kessler? Right. Right. Did they do that? Um, right. They figured the amount of fifty shkolem was. Is clearly, it should uh, be a wash. Yeah, First of all, the Vishkolim sounds like out of the year. They just took that amount of money. But that's, can you prove that, you know, when you were, that's how much you paid? Or they would give it, right? They gave it to Shul's, right? So you have to send somebody with a with a cab to. Probably have to send to, UPS or pay yeah, UPS. right. Whatever. So whatever it is, is we don't think 50 Vishkolim was the amount. And even if you want to say that you spent money on it and he should pay you back for that, well, Mice, um, you got it for free. Um, so um, anyway, so this was the case of, as I said, what did I call it in the in the uh, the case of the plundered Kesser. So I think you see a lot of rebel again, just to be mistaken here. I think you see, as I've said a minute ago, you see rebel Yashiv's obvious tremendous bikiyas is, and a lot of times in Shulchan Aruch we had a case just in front of the Bezna a couple of weeks ago where one of the people knew about good all good. He knew about that. So he says, it should be some sort of good all good thing here, right? Many times the Teve is not a, 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 a necessarily, and even if he has someone with him, you can see Rabbi Yoshev's tremendous bikiyas on all the areas here. You can see that the Ketzeis, a very interesting Ketzeis, that he was Dochem Halacha, despite the, the fact that it has it has a little chain to it, but it, the Ketzeis has, has holes in it, and he says we have to hold like the Shach. The second thing I think the, the main chiddush here that I thought the Rebbe Yosho came up with was his understanding of Kibish Muhammad, his understanding of not applying it, his understanding of the role of the Americans, and the work that the Bezdin did to find out the practical reality when the joint took it, what were the bylaws, how, the, how they did things. All these things are part of what creates Rebbe Yosho, as I said, as the perfect place. So, so basically, he said, return it. They, that the Hartzion has to return it to the with, man. With no money. Uh, he has to return the Kesser. The um, he doesn't have to pay anything for the fact that they kept it. And here's the maybe a good way to end this. The um, in terms of the amount of money you have to pay for this case, 
Every side has to pay. Um, we're not going to... And many times, if there's a Din Torah, that we think that the other side was... was right? Or was so wrong that this case should never have come that we'll force the other side to to pay the legal fees. So the legal fees, everybody else is going to pay. And as you can see here, I'm not sure why it says 52. I think that might be a mistake. Chof Beis El Tovshin Yudalit. I think I was right. It, it, it should be 54, right? 920, September 20th, 1954. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to run out of time over here. I think I already have because it gets more than an hour. I can't upload it properly. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed this case. And Mitzvahem will have we have, a, we have a lot of cases in the future. I'll tell you just one little teaser. Rebel Yashiv has been accused posthumously, and maybe even when he was alive, as being the reason why but the Dinam and Eretz Yisrael are so hard line on husbands in terms of not forcing Keaton on husbands. Rabbi Yashif for 20 years... Hardline against husbands? Hardline against being Kofa husbands. Kofa. He was very against the idea of of forcing Keaton. What? Because, right, yes. And uh, because what would happen is is that if you force a husband to give a get, it's called a get mausa, mm-hmm. especially if there's, as Rabbi Yoshev quoted, the fact that the whole heter to force a get is that you say the person wants to do the right thing. The person, if the, like the Rambam. But if there's machlikas ha'poiskim, what to do, and some poskim hold, you don't have to give a get in this situation. The person would say, well, my neshama wants to hold like the, you know, like, 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 like the Shagazari. I want to hold like the ritva that I don't have to give a get. It's not clear that you have, so, so Rebel Yoshev, Rebel Yoshev was very, very conservative about the idea of forcing Gitan. So there's been theories that have been posted out there that Rebel Yoshev is responsible for that attitude in the Rabbanut, which has caused women to react and saying that they have not been able to get their getting. We're going to take that head on next week, Mirzah Shem. So hopefully you'll be here and it'll be a source for us. Okay, be well. I don't want to miss it.